Story became the ninth unicorn of Mexico this year after raising a $150 million equity and debt round last July. And with it, the credit card fintech got a valuation of $1.2 billion. That's another proof of impressive strengths fintechs are showing in Latin America, even considering the slowdown in relation to 2021. Story aims to offer credit card access to 100 million underserved Latin Americans, and about 1.5 million Mexicans are already Story's customers. One of its co-founders is Marlene Gariasar, who has almost 20 years of previous experience in financial services. Today, Marlene and I talk about what it's like being the newest Mexican unicorn and growing a startup while growing a family, and Marlene's trajectory in the financial sector up to Story. The scenario of credit access in Mexico and how Story started, divided roles between founders, built trust with its first customers, convinced funds to invest, and then gained traction. The challenges the fintech faces daily, such as preventing fraud and educating customers, and what's next for Story and the fintech sector in Latin America. My name is Brian Reckworth, and this is Latitude Podcast. Vamos Latam. Marlene, welcome to the Latitude Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Great to be with you, uh, Brian. Thank you so much. I wanted to first off start off by congratulating you. Um, you know, you built an incredible company at Story, um, you know, one of the most valuable companies in the region in tech and, uh, you know, a great inspiration for many other founders, uh, all founders. I think in particular, I love seeing more, you know, female leaders you know, build incredible value. So how does it feel to, you know, to build such a valuable company in such a short amount of time? I know I say short amount of time, it's, you know, several years in the making and all the things you did before you started Story. But tell me how it feels to, you know, to, to be building the company and, and to have accomplished so much in, in such a short amount of time. Uh, to be honest, Brian, I feel a, a big commitment with my country. Uh, there's a lot of things to do for financial inclusion. So we're just getting started. For me, this is just the beginning. It's exciting to be the new Mexican unicorn. This is a new milestone. I mean, we started as a, as, as the founding team, we started to start celebrating the new milestones because uh, before we were so focused on just delivering the leader, you know, and the acquisition and our internal OKRs and stuff like that. So we, we in a way, forgot about celebrating the, the big milestone we have accomplished. So we started doing that this, this year. We first... Um, Kind of by the end of this last year, we start celebrating, you know, our Series C. Then we we celebrate big time our first million customers um, uh, beginning of this year, and then the unicorn. But at the end, what we all feel is a big commitment with uh, Mexico in general because. We are now serving 1.5 million customers, but there's a lot of customers that we, we, we need to serve, that we want to serve. And for that, we are very focused on, number one, uh, providing a, a, an exceptional customer experience to the ones that we already have. And uh, also working on our product so that we are able to deliver this this type of services to more Mexicans. What we what we feel is and um, we're super committed to 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 this financial inclusion mission. It's, it's an honest mission that we have, and we're go- we're working super hard to deliver it. So uh, this is how I feel. And being a female founder, I mean, that makes me proud. But it, because in a way, you know. Um, when I first started this business along with my with, with the rest of my co-founders, uh, my baby, my first baby had uh, he was um, almost one year. He's five now. And now I have a newborn baby. 
Uh, so in a way, I have, you know, doing this, this uh, new uh, business. And, and in fact, it's a business that, that is a passion I have, you know, to really deliver uh, good quality financial products. But at the same time, it has been challenging for me because I've been raising my, my, my own family. And in a way, I consider story as another baby. And it's part of, you know, I'm just trying to be organized so that I'm able to 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 be also uh, for my family, but also present at this company. And as a woman, that makes me feel very proud. And that's something I, I always try to share with the other women that are trying to start a business or that are already in, in the fintech tech or founding and startup that, I mean, it, my message is this can be done. And you can become a mother and you can have your own family as long as you get you get organized. And this is something is this is doable, you know? It's not anything thing to do, but it's doable. In my last company, I remember that, you know, I I had been building a business and then I had kids. And, you know, we, we had raised a significant, you know, venture. We were scaling, I think we were about four or five hundred people in the company at that point when I had, you know, my first my first, you know, kid and my second kid. And I remember I had the realization that like when you have a family and you're running a business, it actually forces you to be like way more efficient with your time because you're trying exactly. to optimize. So like I became this like superhuman, like, you know, regimented schedule, which I'm, I'm actually, if you knew me before this, I'm not like a super regimented person. I'm kind of like, me lleva con la corriente, llegué a Latinoamérica yeah. without any kind yeah. of plans. But it, these things, these life events force you to kind of, um, you know, plan a little bit more. It's amazing. You know, uh, I, I'm like you. I mean, I feel like I'm not the most organized organized person. I'm trying to be, you know, by reading, you know, getting some habits and also uh, having some uh, advices from people who are actually very organized. But in a way, uh, just because I have to be, uh, I just met, I just, 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 you know, talking about this morning, I just wait, I woke up at 5 a.m. because I'm trying to be, you know, part of the 5 a.m. cop. And I, and I got, I'm just trying to get organized, but I, I'm trying to use my time, you know, during the morning to, to, to do all those things, uh, that I wanted to do for myself. Like um, reading something, um, I'm trying to to learn how to 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 do uh, other things in the company in a better way. So I'm, I'm using those uh, two to hour and a half uh, time for me. And then uh, and then I also did my groceries, you know, using this. <laughs> so you know, in a way, I'm 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 being more smart with my my time, and I'm I'm. I think that the time that I'm spending with my family is a really quality time. I'm not just there. I'm 100% with them and uh, with my, my 100% of, you know, my attention with my kids. And when, when I'm not around, I'm 100% in the company and for the company. So you, you're right. Yeah, it requires a, a consciousness of that and, and, a, and it needs to be a priority. I wanted to dive in the kind of some of the aspects of, you know, financial inclusion that you'd mentioned. So we'll get to that in a second. But before we dive into story, you have a lot of professional experience with, you know, traditional banking and financial services. How has that previous experience pushed you to work in the fintech segment? Yeah, I, I think that uh, that that is that is an important part of my 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 career or that has been an important part of my career because when when we first started a story part of the things i've learned uh, in my previous experience i i actually use it 
for this company. I was very, uh, as you can see in my in my in my CV, I was dedicated to operations, running operations on on those uh, financial institutions, and that that was. Uh, initially my main role or my key role in this company. So um, before starting this business, I was in charge of operations in two other fintechs. Uh, so I was in a way uh, very experienced doing that. So um, customer service, debt collection, those are the kind of things that I already know how to do. I was really focused and I also uh, dedicated my time to train my team. Uh, so, so, so now I can dedicate my time to other important and strategic things of the company. But uh, going back to your, your question, uh, all the things that I learned from those um, formal financial institutions in, in terms of uh, how to better run operations in a more efficient way, how to measure uh, how efficient those operations are, those, those are uh, the learnings I use for, for this company. Uh, you, you obviously build on you know your experience, and then it kind of culminates into you know in, into what you're building today. Hey there, are you learning some good lessons in this episode? I hope so. The founders and angel investors we have on our fellowship programs learn things like this throughout the entire experience. In the Explore Fellowship, we help you kick off your next big idea. With the Angel Fellowship, you can expand your impact as a startup investor. Be sure to check out latitude.com to find out how to apply for our fellowship programs. Now let's get back to the episode. Thanks a lot. Let's talk a little bit more about the overview of the you know, Mexican financial services. How many people are underbanked or underserved from a banking perspective? And talk through a little bit more about the challenges that they face in Mexico. So we're talking about 60% of the Mexican population without a basic financial product. And by basic, I mean at least at a deposit account. But in terms of credit, we are way behind. In terms of credit, uh, and specifically in terms, in terms of credit cards, uh, only 12% of the Mexican population has access to it. So um, we decided that we wanted to help on the credit access aspect because uh, back then when we, when we launched in 2018 or when we were working on the product, we saw that there were some uh, fintechs trying to, to offer wallets or deposit accounts. So in a way, we, we felt that um, not that the, the, the market was crowded, but they, it was starting to, you know, at least that part of the offer was already covered, but not so much on the credit side. So we, we, we had the experience because part, part of my, my co-founders, they come from Capital One in the U.S. They already know that business. So we decided that that, that should be the, the, the product we should focus on, on Mexico, just because credit access was way behind, you know, the, the deposits uh, uh, products. And it, it's also a super challenging uh, product because you need to, to be super good at underwriting. <laughs> you need to understand the, the market risk and... Um, and, 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 and that requires talent and that requires also experience. And behind story, we have a very experienced team in the U.S., but also in Mexico. And that, that helped us a lot, a lot to start this business. In Mexico, the, the biggest challenge is exactly that, the underwriting part, so that you are able to, to serve the underserved uh, 
uh, in a way that is also sustainable for your business, right? So you don't lose you, you don't lose money on the way in a way. Now at Story, you you offer a mobile first solution for credit cards, and you know to build a credit history for you know pretty much anyone, right? Is 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 the focus? Pretty much anyone because we design different um, combinations of products, so we have different type of. Uh, credit um, combination of credit lines, open fees, no open fees. Uh, so uh, in these in these combinations, uh, we are using these combinations so that we are able to say yes to almost everyone who is applying for a credit card. The ones that are not uh, receiving an offer from us are basically those those who who are not compliant with KYC or who who you know for AML reasons we cannot just approve. Yeah. Got, got it. And and talk about the aha moment or, you know, if you could kind of reflect going back to those early days of like when you identified the specific opportunity for story. So, um, so before launching the product, we, we talked to several, uh, with, you know, potential customers. So we, 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 we will be able to, to, to use those insights to design the product. Uh, we found out that uh, the lack of access to credit was, in general, what they were uh, suffering from, in general. So, uh, but we have had during the course of of, of our of our history s- several aha moments. Like uh, when we launched, we launched in January 2020, just two months before pandemic. And one of the things that we were afraid of back then was pandemic itself. We weren't sure if pandemic were going to impact our business. And uh, so in a way, we try to be very, very conservative on the risk side uh, to understand how the market was going to behave. And we saw that uh, we, we saw no impact in the in the in the portfolio in terms of delinquency. Uh, we just saw that people, you know, keep we, we, the demand was still there. And we also saw that the, the payment behavior of the ones that we have approved uh, from 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 January to let's say I think June that we started you know analyzing the data. Uh, uh, one aha moment is that I mean people kept paying the credit card because they were at home you know they needed the credit card to make some you know those those uh, uh, some payments they needed to to actually buy some groceries and they were actually very careful about uh, having the, the the credit card uh, you know pay on time. So they can continue to be using the, the product. And that was a, a very nice understanding that we used to continue growing and including more uh, more solutions for our customers that are that were actually forced to be at home. How are those first talks with potential customers that you know you mentioned? You know, what, what's the process like of, of building trust with those early customers? It's a you know, it's a new product, it's a highly complex and regulated market. Walk me through those first initial conversations and then, you know, what was the kind of insight that you had early on? You said credit was missing, but what are the things that you discover in those first kind of talks with customers? So it's not only access to credit, but uh, the type of of product to offer is not alone what was required or uh, what was actually the need of of the people we talked to. But uh, because, you know, people can get... I don't know if easily, but they can get access to a loan in an informal way, even, you know, uh, in this market. The thing is that it's not even the interest rate who who is a problem to them, because when they need money, they just accept any interest rate. The problem is 
that they needed access to a payment method in a way. So that was an, an insight number one. It's not only the, the access to credit, but actually to a payment method like a credit card that, that they can actually use for online transactions, which is different from what they can get from a loan, like a, a, a payday loan or something like that. It, it's not the same way. And in our case, it's a revolving credit, right? So they, they as long as they keep paying it, they keep using it for, for their, their daily uh, needs, you know, for making payments utility payments and whatever they need to pay. Uh, this is a product that they didn't have that, that is a good um, insight. It's a payment method. It's a secure payment method that they, they didn't have before. And, and now that they, they are actually relying on this uh, payment method to, to, for, for their, their basic needs. I mean, they, they, they use a story for making, uh, you know, paying the electricity bill. There is, it's already, the, our credit card is already there. And so every month, they're able to actually automatically pay those type of bills uh, with our credit card. And before they had to, you know, just to go to this um, store <laughs> to make those payments and pay a fee to make uh, actually uh, to be able to, to pay for electricity or even a top up, you know, all those solutions that for some people are just a given for most of our customers were not a given. So, uh, we're just we're just uh, helping their life their lives be uh, easier for them, you know. That's yeah, basically what we're doing. Uh, you know, I, I like to say that you know fintech is kind of the gateway drug to Latin America, right? Because you know, you know fintechs obviously um, you know have drawn a lot of global investors to the region. I'm curious to know how were those early days of fundraising uh, for Story. Uh, how did it go, you know, back in 2018? Was it an easy sell? Was it, um, you know, was it something that took you a long time? Talk, walk, walk me through those first meetings you had with investors when you said you were going to build story. So, so Bean, who is our co-founder, was uh, the one who was focused on uh, the fundraising part. But if you talk to him, he can tell you it was not easy. It was not easy because I, I um, as many of... Uh, of the founders who are already uh, in this in this business, they, they know that at the beginning, what you what you have from investors is that uh, you got investors who 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 invest in the team, in the founding team, in their experience. So uh, and also uh, number two, they they invest in the potential of the market. So that's what we had in, in initially. Um, it wasn't easy because. Uh, we were all first founders, ex except for our CTO, who was already experienced. Uh, he, he, this is his second company. Uh, so um, it was hard for Bean. But uh, in a way, uh, after Bean talking to all of them and telling what we wanted to, to offer in Mexico, they, they then came to Mexico and they met the rest of the founding team. And that's how we 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 convince our first first investor in uh into into investing in, in, in story because we 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 have the, the experience you know our first round was in 2018 even before launching the product one year before launching the product and they invested in the the the, the experience that we have all the co-found the, the co-founding team and also the the 
um, the potential that the Mexican market has. So uh, credit card is a business that is interesting just because uh, the penetration in the market is so scarce um, and, and we knew how to do it. So it, was, it, it wasn't easy. I cannot tell you it was something that, you know, the, the, the first inverse investor said yes. It was hard, uh, but, but we, at the end we got uh, the first investors uh, trusting us. They came to Mexico, they talked to us, and they talked to also to people uh, from the market that we, we, that we introduced to them. How do you divide uh, your roles as founders? In the beginning, you know, everyone's kind of a generalist, um, and then, you know, you've got kind of the founding team, and then you start needing to kind of verticalize and focus. Uh, what was the progression of deciding kind of how to divide and conquer as founders, and, and how has the evolution of roles evolved since, you know, the last, you know, three or four years in operations? In a way, Brian, yes, generalist at the beginning, and not that much. Let me tell you why. So uh, I was the the person in charge of the operation operations, uh, just because that's that was my my experience. I'm also the only Mexican uh, founder, so I, I use my connections. You know, I know the people here. I was already in the fintech uh, world since 2013, so I knew the people. I knew the potential partners. Um, I also, I'm also experienced on, on the compliance side. So why I was also in charge of the license, uh, and all the regulation part. So that's on me. And on, on, we also have another founder who was very experienced on product and, and he, he used to work for Capital One. So he, he was dedicated to that. And also, I mean, marketing was not his strongest skill, but he, he in a way, he, he really worked hard to, to get those uh, uh, knowledge and skill by bringing uh, uh, ta- the, the, the right talent to his team. And then we have a CTO that we also brought to the team. And he was he has all, always been dedicated to being the, the CTO from, from day one. And then we have another co-founder team who, who is in charge of risk. And that's his experience, and he brought, uh, he actually created the, the model risk from scratch. So in a way, um, we were generalists at the beginning, and not so much because in a way, every co-founder in this company has their their own different skill. You know, so there, there's no overlapping. Uh, and in, in our our CEO, who is in, in charge of uh, um, the fundraising, Bean. He's very good at it, you know. Uh, uh, he's the one starting the conversations, and then, and then, then we all, um, then we all come after him, uh, to, just for the investors to to meet uh, each one of us. Uh, one of the the areas that we have, I, I'm not saying all of us we have supervised, but at least three of the founders is uh, human resources because none of us is an expert on human resources, like. Uh, people area is some is a very challenging a very important area so uh number one we had been supervising that then me and then sherman just because i mean uh we're just trying to test who who feels uh uh like you know more you know or who who thinks is the fittest for the for for that area and um and that is the one that we have uh we have uh, moved the most between the, 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 the five of us. But in general, we, we are not generalists. We are very experts on our areas. That's how things have evolved among us. Sounds like a very complimentary team. And I agree with you on the kind of the people side of the business. Is, you know, uh, I generally think about founders 
are super involved in all the hiring in the first, you know, 50 hires because you really set the tone. Obviously, that becomes harder to be involved in all details of, of, of people uh, as this company scales. But I think as founders, it's, you know, it's the uh, materia prima, right, of the company. It's so, yeah. it's so important that you, you're, you're close to it. Hey there. You might be thinking about how hard it is to build a venture-backed company. Well, I know firsthand, and I made some mistakes along the way. We lost over $100 million in capital gains taxes because of the company formation mistake that I made. I don't want that to happen to you. That's why we built Latitude Go. We provide an optimal offshore structure for your startup, and we do it in record time. And guess what? It's five times less expensive as other options, and we use the same legal documents as the top-tier law firms. To find out more, check out latitude.com forward slash go. Now, let's get back to the episode. What are the challenges when it comes to fraud, risk assessment in this market? And maybe, you know, maybe you could just briefly touch on that and how you tackle them. In a, in a, in a country like Mexico um, and perhaps many other countries, identity fraud, identity theft is one of the biggest challenge. So we, what we are doing is we are investing on technology you know, just to tackle those 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 risks. In general, we're investing in in, in improving our um, our fraud prevention, not only at the origination level origination level, but also at the transaction part. Um, in, in this market, I mean, I think um, that that investing in in, in technology f- just for the the KYC part, the, the especially the origination part of 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 the business is is, is key and uh, and as i mentioned we have a, a um one of our co-founders uh, has done that before um in in his case for capital one and he knows uh he has that knowledge but he has brought also uh, an experience seems to make some some improvements in, in in that acquisition part, and they are also working on 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 improving the the transaction fraud prevention team. Yeah, I guess it helps a ton if you've got you know in in all the different areas that you mentioned in the co-founders work you know experience. You bring this kind of set of skills, and you probably bring a network with you to kind of jumpstart um, you know yeah. different departments, which I think is a huge competitive advantage. It's all about networks. I mean, it's my network, but, uh, you know, also uh, we're using the other founders' network. So we, we are bringing talent from China because some of them, they, they, they spend some time in China. So we are, we're bringing developers uh, in, that, in those, in those uh, you know, in some countries in Asia. And we're bringing also talent from Capital One because we also know people like very good talent from Capital One to the company. And we also have a, 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 an office in, in the U.S., uh, in Arlington, and, and we're bringing talent from them. So it's, it's, it's you know, network matters. Uh, it's not only uh, talent from Mexico, but in, in other countries too. Absolutely. You can kind of, you know, be thoughtful and design around your, your different networks that you have. So you raise this new, you know, capital, relatively fresh capital. Uh, what comes yeah. next for Story? How many customers do you want to reach, you know, and what are the other services that you have in mind? So uh, where we're what we're building, uh, Brian, is a digital bank. So <clears throat> right now is the credit card, uh, the main product we're offering, and we are creating this super app because we are trying to build an ecosystem in which we offer not only 
uh, the way the way of monitoring your credit card transactions and how you use that money, your spending, and all those type of uh, information that are key for for also the the the, the financial education uh, mission that we have. But we are um, adding some some um, services and solution for solutions for our customers. Eventually, we would like to offer deposits. Uh, and not only deposits, but also we would like to offer um, a deposit with interest, so that we, uh, in, in this in this financial inclusion, uh, uh, we, we just want to align like the, the 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 future products that we add to this platform that are also uh, very aligned to the financial inclusion. It's not only uh, allowing the 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 possibility of opening a, 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 a deposit account but also receiving you know some interest for those for those um, savings um, also we would like in the future offer some some investment products so we also uh, teach our customers how to use their little or you know <laughs> amount of money how to how to invest uh, that money in, in different um in different, um, you know, uh, solutions for them to, first, we, we, there's a lot of financial education to do, but those are the type of products we would like to have in the future. Uh, and that's it. I mean, in the in, in general, we what we are doing is we're, we're working on building a digital bank. That's what we want for Story2 to, 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 to become in the future. As a follow-up, just to double-click on that, how important is the financial education, you know, part? And, you know, how do you, expand your customer base through through education and what's the strategy and how to do that and how do you think about geographic expansion in that context of expansion so we use um our content strategies to educate our people even by 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 sending very uh a simple but uh, very timely reminders uh, there are things that are for, for, for people who have experience with credit card, like a given or something that is super obvious, like understanding, uh, the, the cut dates. I don't know if that's the right word, but the cut dates and the minimum payment and th- those type of things that are basic for credit card, there are not that, they're not, um, necessarily understood by our customers so we are explaining them just the basics the the bank account the credit card bank uh, statement itself is complicated just because of a regulation it needs to have a lot of information so we're trying to also teach them how to read the, the 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 statement how to understand how we calculate the minimum payment uh those basic things is part of our financial education and uh, the reminders, the continuous reminders, we're letting them know that the cut date is coming so they can pay in advance so they don't pay interest. Those basic things are part of the, 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 the education that we are very committed on delivering to our customers. And we noticed that by doing that, we also are impacting the delinquency because part of the of the of we noticed that part of the customers that were um, going to going delinquent was exactly because they were they weren't understanding how to use a credit card, when to pay, how much to pay, like the basic concepts. So we noticed that uh, by doing prevention uh, efforts, 
that helps a lot not to have the, those first payment defaults and uh, it helps a lot in general just to use education too even for collections yeah and ironically a lot of banks are disincentivized to do that because that's a revenue source for them exactly but, I but you can build a, a you know when you do the right thing as a company you know, you may, you know, in the short term, not have the windfall of, of you know, income, Interest. but you, 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 you have a much lar- longer, sustainable, more thoughtful relationship with your customer. And then they bring in other customers and they actually appreciate you. Right. Yes, exactly. Those are the kind of things that at the end people value a lot about what we're doing. I never remember, to be honest, uh, I, I've been using credit cards for so many years. I never remember receiving a reminder from my credit card <laughs> companies just to tell me that the cut day was coming so I don't pay interest. No one. And for us, it, it is important. It's part of aligning, you know, uh, what we are saying that we care about to what we are actually doing, even in the communication strategy of our customers. So, you know, you, you're, you're in Mexico right now. What, what's the, the horizon for geographic expansion? I know it's a complex business to launch in other countries because of regulations and, you know, and, and, and a handful of other barriers. What, yeah. What's the thought process there? And, uh, you know, Mexico has been the primary market, but how do you see the rest of the region? So our vision is to actually serve one. <laughs> it's crazy. I know it's crazy, but it's something we want to do. We want to serve 100 million uh, people in LATAM. So, yeah, of course, we have plans to 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 launch one or two countries next year, uh, additional countries, uh, at least, yeah. Uh, we are expanding to additional countries uh, with similar needs that Mexico Mexico has. I mean, do, do you know that Mexico is way behind in, in terms of financial inclusion, way behind uh, to countries like uh, Colombia, Chile. You know, we're b- way behind. We want we, we are going to be launching in, in countries that are uh, similar to Mexico in terms of financial inclusion um, gaps. And, and let's talk, you know, you've already mentioned a little bit about, you know, your interest in building something that has a social impact. Um, and, you know, you're, you're, you're getting traction on your, your mission and, you know, stories gotten pretty big in size. So that enables you to do more. If you were to think forward about what, what the kind of main social impact that you've had on society, what would you say, what comes to mind in terms of manifesting that? So the main impact is that we're helping people who has been in, ignored for so many years by traditional banks, by incumbents. We're helping them build a credit history they didn't have. They just didn't have access to that. So by, by, by helping them build this credit history in a healthy way and with education, they will, we're just helping them, uh, we're helping them open have, you know, open doors to other type of products, not only with us. In the future, we will have more products and I hope that they stay with us for longer, but we're, we're helping them also, you know, just be there, be part of the ecosystem and have access. That That's the biggest impact. And this is why for me, it's important that we continue growing on in terms of products and solutions for them. So they stay with me. I don't want them to go else just because the story helped them, you know, open doors for them. Uh, I want them to continue uh, growing with us. It's not a, only providing access, but we want to grow grow with them. Yeah, so layering to be part on, of their story. La- part of their story. I love that. Uh, it's a layering on different, you know, different ancillary products. Um, 
That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, we, we've been, um, the last, you know, six months or so has been quite an uncertain economic climate, uh, slowdown yeah. in startup investments. You've seen it. How do you see this affecting story and the LATAM fintech ecosystem at large? You know, which kind of fintechs are positioned to uh, thrive and survive um, and what, which ones are going to be struggling and, and may you know, fall apart? H- how do you see that from your vantage point? In, in terms of our portfolio, for sure, we're super, uh, we're monitoring closely uh, just because we can not just uh, uh, ignore the fact that we have, you know, high inflation in this country, perhaps also in the U.S., not perhaps, but in the U.S., in Mexico, we also see that. So we're closely monitoring. That's on the consumer side. On uh, Regarding the 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 ecosystem, the startup ecosystem, I mean, we all know that it's going to be hard, you know, next round just because money is more expensive now. Uh, I think that companies that are focused on being uh, profitable soon, very soon, like like we are, are going to, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be easy for all of us, but it's going to be a lot easier than the ones that are we're planning, you know, to be profitable perhaps in by the end of next year, 2024, just because they were just focused on acquisition. In our case, uh, acquisition is important, but we are very uh, cautious on, you know, uh, right now we're very mindful on cost reduction in general. Uh, So we invest in what's important. And for us, what's important is um, investing in our current customers, uh, the credit lines, uh, especially for the ones that are super good customers, and uh, and the talent. We're bringing more more talent to the company, so we are able to deliver more products uh, very soon. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you see the evolution of the Mexican startup ecosystem in the last four years? You know, we've seen huge growth. What are the things that still need to be worked on? What are the opportunities? I think that uh, the main opportunity, I mean, this is exciting, you know, I, I told you that I started uh, in this in this ecosystem. I started when I left the corporate world in 2013, like beginning 2014. So back then uh, there were only two or three fintechs. So for me, it's exciting just to see that new, new uh, companies are coming, uh, excited excited to, to meet new founders, like very smart people around. So what's happening in Mexico is amazing. Uh, I'm also happy to see uh, more investment coming, People like you, Brian, that are actually betting for, for, for Latin America and actually you are in Mexico. So this is this is something that for me is um, it's super encouraging. You know what's happening in, uh, from 2014 until now. What what uh, I think that we still need to do a lot more. And this is something I have even uh, discussed with uh uh, some uh, people at the government, they, they they think that this is exciting, but we need to be more organized, like more united in a way, uh, because they see that this fintech is trying to do this, this fintech is trying to do, th- but we are not as, um, how do you say, gremio, like as a, a group doing things together. And uh, in terms of regulation, like every single uh, fintech is doing their own part and going to talk to the regulator, but in a separated way. We are not doing this conjointly. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Uh, and we need to do this a lot more because the market is huge. I know we have, there's competition, but we need to collaborate a lot more. And this is something that's not happening enough in, in Mexico. 
Yeah, so more of a unified front across uh, the, the yeah. you know the, the startup ecosystem and spe- you know specifically fintechs and how because all of these adjustments they all benefit uh, startups right because they yeah. and they benefit consumers at the end of the day that's why we're all doing this right to serve the the end user which you know they're they're if they can have less friction better pricing better you know options uh, they're going to be in a much better better place. And hopefully, I don't feel bad for the incumbents because the incumbents have had a pretty lock on the market for so long. And we know what happens when there's big companies that control big portions of the market. They, you know, they end up, the ser- their service end up suffering and the experience is, is not as good. So I think we're all motivated to try to elevate the next generation so that uh, the consumers can benefit. We must be, you know, inspired by that, and we just just motivated by that. We want to elevate uh, the ecosystem. We want to elevate, uh, as you mentioned, the, the incumbents. They had the, their time. I mean, they're, now they're trying to change. And I, I'm not saying it's too late. If they are fast, they they, they can they can actually uh, do something great uh, in the in the next one or two years. Uh, but it, 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 in in general, I mean, I, I consider that it will take time uh, for them to, to start changing just because that's how they are. And uh, what I, I really, I really would like to see more. And I've talked about this with a few founders is more collaboration between, between uh, the ones that are uh, really, really serious about what we are changing. I mean, what we are doing in Mexico, we need to collaborate on regulation uh, the FinTech because, you know, uh, our, 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 um, the type of business we are in is super regulated in this country, so we need to collaborate a lot more. Um, and as an industry, yeah, in general, uh, we 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 barely talked. You know, um, we need to to be because uh, what I perceive from the government officials sometimes and a constant comment they they made is like you are all separated. You, you all your efforts are you know, independent. And this is not something we like because uh, at least the incumbents, like the bank, the banks are pretty well organized. And there's one, uh, like the, the leader, you know, representing all of them and, and, and you know, talking uh, to the, to the, to the government, uh, defending their interests, their, their interests. There's not, this is not happening for us. How can we go about, uh, you know, getting more unified and what's the, what, what kind of leadership I mean, will it take? I have, I have some ideas and actually uh, my team and I are working on some proposals and we want to present those type of proposals in the, to the FinTech Association because I'm really committed to this. I think, I think that the, the market is huge and we will have, you know, opportunities for everyone in this market. So uh, we, we need to stay united. Yeah. So I have, yeah, this maybe is, this a call is a, to something action. I want to do in the... Call to action for any fintech founders, investors. Uh, Marlene, reach out to her, and you know she's try, <laughs> trying to create a movement here. And I think that yes. uh, we say at Latitude, the rising tide lifts all boats. And so I think that you know, um, unless you're maybe an incumbent and your interests, you want to protect your interests. Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe you're not as invited to the party, but maybe you are if you're willing to make some modifications and and also. Uh, support more competitive dynamics, which at the end of the day, consumers win. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for making the time. Thank you. Thank you for the time and space. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Latitude Podcast. 
with Madeleine Garisar. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast for more talks with great founders like her. I'm your host, Brian Reckworth. Vamos Latam. See you next week.